Hey guys, welcome back to Eat Sleep Archery. Number 14. Um, one little short message here. I'm proud to announce Eat Sleep Archery is partnered up with Mojave Meat Company here in Kingman, Arizona. Their phone number is 928-727-1920. They can be found at 3391 North Evans Street, again here in Kingman. Their email is mojavemeatco at gmail.com. So today, I have a special guest, Nick Carney, from Iowa. Land of the corn. <laughs> Big whitetail. <laughs> You're the first first guest I've had that's from back east. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It was a lot of fun growing up in Iowa. Shot some big bucks. I'm excited. I'm on my second year here in Arizona. Last year, I didn't get the chance to do any deer hunting or javelina hunting, which I'm kind of bummed about. I missed the draw for elk this year, but I'll be chasing those elusive uh, mule deer. <laughs> The elusive ghosts? Yes. So, um, you're actually going hunting with me. Yeah. Uh, can't wait for that. The week up in August that we're going to, or week in August up in Flagstaff that we're going to spend. Mm-hmm. Up in Unit 7. Yes, sir. That's going to be, that's going to be a lot of fun. I got high hopes for that hunt, actually. But um, you're actually looking at a, at a new bow before then, aren't you? Yeah, I'm looking for either a new Matthews, which I've shot a few, I've never owned one. Um, they shoot, they shoot really fast. I wouldn't say they're the smoothest drawing bow. Uh, going between that and the Hoyt Venom. The thirty. Uh, either the thirty or the thirty-three. Okay. Hopefully, when you guys get them in at Desert Archery, I can shoot both of them mm -hmm. and see which one I like. Yeah, um, those those Venoms, I, I did the um, on the podcast, you guys can check it out, um, I did the 2021 bow lineup, and once Desert Archery got everything in, I could start testing them and shooting them, and that Venom came in number one. That was an awesome bow. Um, next to the PSE Stealth, um, which kind of want to touch on that. I recently sold my Stealth. And the reason was is I took it out last year, Havelina hunting, and I, I missed a Havelina because the wind was pushing me around. Out in the West, I think anywhere, at least Southwest, you're going to have wind. And you kind of need a heavier bow. I mean, I know guys will argue with me about this until the cows come home. But that's just what I found. So I recently went back to a Evo, EVL, uh, PSE 2021, 32-inch axle-to-axle, 29-inch draw, 70 pounds. So I'm, I'm kind of going back to the aluminum world, I think. Well, out here in Arizona, it doesn't get brutally cold. Right. And like you said, the wind, 
is a big factor. It just pushes you around. Even with an aluminum heavy bow, you're still going to get that kite effect. Right, right. Well, you know, and then that, that kind of transpires over into arrows as well. Um, a lot of guys are shooting the 4mm axis uh, long range. Awesome arrow. But I'm sticking with the axis 5mm. And reason being I'm doing that is availability. That's the biggest thing. Um, you know, Corona's still kind of hitting hard and getting stuff in and blah, 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 blah. So I get all that, but that's just kind of what I know. Um, a couple years ago, I got a, a Verdix, brand new off the shelf, and that was the first arrow I put through it. And that was an awesome arrow. So, but I tried most of what Desert Archery has to offer, and I tried them all. Um, I, I will say this, I am a big fan of the Victory V-Force. It's a fat arrow, but man, it flies good. So, I just recently got off the uh, uh, VAP SS's. Super strong arrow, very expensive arrow. So I kind of wanted to get something middle of the range that was readily available. So, yeah, um, going along with the, with that, you got to put into factor your kinetic energy and how hard it's going to hit. Uh huh. Pair, and pair that up with something really sharp and durable. Right. Like I like the Easton FMJs. Right. They're obviously they're heavier than your arrow. Mm-hmm. They run in what I weighed mine mine at four hundred and fifty grains the other day. Right. And out of the Matthews I was shooting, I was still getting that two ninety nine to three oh three feet per second mm-hmm. with them. So I'm kinda excited about that. I don't have to really switch up my game plan a whole lot. Right, right. Well, and another thing too, and I will say this from experience, when I had my VXR, one of them, because I had two of them, I, I set up for hunting, everything was fine, and I was shooting the uh, RIP Extreme Velocity Arrows. And I wanted the fastest thing I could find. Put a broadhead on there. It was shooting three... 327 and I put a broadhead on there and I couldn't hit my rear end with a skillet I mean that was terrible so that being said I found out the hard way that broadheads don't fly real well past 295 yeah that's you know between between 290 and 310 is kind of where you want to be so, you know, I, I and I've said this before too. Broadhead manufacturers will say that it's it's field point accuracy, but you have to find that field point accuracy if there's any truth to that. You need to find that field point accuracy at whatever feet per second that they're testing it at. Will they tell you what that is? No, they won't. So, that being said. Um, biggest piece of advice I can give to that, 
to the average hunter is, and if you're looking for a new broadhead or switching it up this year or, or new shooters, it doesn't matter. Hey guys, we're back. A little bit of technical difficulties on our end, but it's all good. Um, as I was saying, broadhead selection, biggest piece of advice, um, new shooters, guys that want to switch it up, you know, talking to your buddies, whatever, YouTube, doesn't matter. Your local archery shop, um, get two packs, get a, get a mechanical, even though talk to guys, I'll never run a mechanical again or whatever, or I had bad experience, get a mechanical. And then get a get a fixed blade and see which one flies the best. Um, I think I think Nick would agree with me on that. Yeah, you wanna do your research, like Ross said, YouTube it. YouTube's great, it'll show you stuff, but until you actually let it fly through your bow, your setup, your arrows, you're not going to know if it actually works for you. Um, and not every bow is the same either. Right. And throughout my hunting history, I've ran all kinds of different broadheads. I've ran mechanical. I've ran fixed blade. Um, and I've had some fly true like a field point tip. And I've had some not fly true. It, you you got to find out what works for you. And what's best. Right. And, you know, I probably own 30 pieces of broadheads, different things. That is ridiculous. I've said that before. If anybody needs anything, I got it, though. <laughs> but, um, you know, I I was I was old school. I ran a Magnus, a Magnus Stinger buzz cut with a bleeder on it. They're accurate. They're not quiet, but they're accurate. So that's kind of that's kind of how I feel about broadheads. And you know, as we go on, as we get into August, um, I have, I'm going to have Nick on here again. We're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm going through my hunting pack here really soon, and going to do like uh, you know what I carry in my pack and why, and that's fine. Um, I made the, uh, you know, what's in your pack pilgrim episode and that's when I was emptying it out and I got a lot of new gear to go in there come this year. So or come this hunt. So anyways, um, you know, that's, that's kind of where that's at. I don't want to dump all the beans out right now, but that's kind of what we have planned. So. It's going to be an ongoing thing until August. But you got to get your hunting pack put together too, don't you? Yeah. I actually got to either find my bag that I have stored away in storage or go out and buy new stuff. Right. Which kind of leaning towards the new <laughs> stuff. Well, um, I'm actually switching to... I'm, Okay, hang on. Let me back up for a second. Do I have a, a Sitka backpack? Yeah, I do. And I have a Sitka backpack because I love it. That's why. Do I like all of Sitka's camo and their options and stuff? No, I don't. It doesn't work for me. What works for me is being simple. Simplicity. Um, I'm going to go buy two pairs of Carhartt pants in brown. 
have cryptic, really lightweight tops. I like cryptic, I like cryptic camo, I like everything they do. It works for me. Um, everybody asks me, well, do I have to be full camo? No, you don't. Are we probably going to be sitting on waters for at least a day or two out of seven? Yeah, we are. Uh, can that deer see below my waist? No. So that's kind of that's kind of my thinking on it. Um, I kind of want to get out of the hype. I kind of in my hunting style and even in my shooting style too. I want to get back to being simple, simplicity. Um, you know, I mean, you think about think about our dads and our granddads and everybody else. They these guys hunted in tin pants and flannel slickers. I mean, that's they did. I don't know how many deer I watched my dad kill in a white T-shirt. Yeah. So you know, that's just. That's where it's at, for me, anyway. Going along with that, my dad used to shoot them in a tan pair of Carhartt bibs. Just sitting in a ditch. Mm-hmm. Or sitting on the ground. Just trying to rattle them in. Yeah. Or call a buck in to you. Yeah. Well, that's another thing, too. That you guys, Well, you guys rattled back east, but... And I get that, but out here, you know, we don't necessarily do that. See, and I can lighten up my pack a lot. I can get rid of my rattling antlers, <laughs> my grunt call, <laughs> uh, all the scents that I carried. But I know I'm going to pack it back up with all the odds and ends that I'm going to need out here for uh, snake protection. Right. Especially in August. Mm-hmm. Waters, good lord, I drink a lot of water out here now. Right. Yeah, I've, I've been here for five years, six years, I guess. And I still haven't acclimated from it. So. But yeah, um, I think I think what's in your pack and how you pack your gear is important. I'd rather have room in my pack than not have room. Um, you know, and along with that, exercise too. Yeah. You know, getting prepped, getting your body prepped. Because we plan on doing a lot of walking, a lot of hiking. So, but I'm kind of lazy that way. I will take one day and sit waters uh, if there's any water to be had. That's that's the other thing. Um, but that's kind of that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I know the water is going to be a real big issue. I've been out here two years and I've seen it rain twice. <laughs> <laughs> so as I know on a lot of the pages on Facebook, you got. Arizona Game and Fish, they're trying to do their best in managing right. water tanks, um, trying to keep the deer healthy, the animals. They're pumping a lot of water into them, so. Yeah, that's, 
That's really, really important, uh, especially for the deer. You know, javelina, not as much. And the turkeys, really not as much, I guess. But for me, yeah, going where we're going, it's a brand new area. Probably going to go up there a couple weekends before and maybe scout or find a camp or whatever. Um, this is actually an invitational hunt. Um, I got a hold of some guys that's gone up there for nine years. Have they been successful all nine? No, they haven't. What a lot of times what they'll do though is they'll know somebody that's has an elk hunt after deer season and they'll kind of scout for elk. Uh, if they get a deer, it's a bonus. If not, doesn't really matter. Um, you know, that's, and, and that's the way it should be. Um, again, camaraderie in hunting um, is awesome. I cannot teach enough and preach enough about ethics, hunting ethics. Uh, that I mean, that comes down to, to people, you know, how treat others how you want to be treated, whether it be in the grocery store or out on a water hole. It doesn't matter. So... See, and you're going along with scouting. We do, back east in Iowa, a lot of guys set up trail cams. Right. I well, mean, just because the timber's so thick and you don't get that, you can't go somewhere in glass. Right. Long distances. So they utilize the trail cams, which to me, that's cool. But on the same hand, you're kind of... You're kind of giving into that technology to where it's taking all the fun out of it. Right. Um, so don't quote me on this. I know that Arizona Game Fish wants to do away with trail cameras. And everybody's asking my opinion about it. And here it is. Yeah, trail cameras are cool. Um, they're, they're cool for scouting. I understand that. And if you're going to use them, my opinion... I went last year on a, it was on a cow water is what it was on, but it was on a water, a public water, public land. And I counted seven trail cameras, all different models, all different colors, all different lockup systems, the whole gamut on one water hole. Like really, do we need that? No. That is, that's highly excessive. Have I used trail cameras? Yes, I have. Do I like the idea? Yes, I do. Do I do I think it needs to be limited? Absolutely. Um, my opinion on, on trail cameras, I can take it a step further. What I think needs to happen, and it, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work, but a really cool system to do with, with trail cameras is, do it like back in the day with trapping. You got issued an ID tag, your name and phone number had to be on it. Period. Yeah. If it sat there for, you know, not talking about traps, but talking about 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 cameras. If it sits there for more than a week, then you get asked to take it down, you get a warning, or you get a ticket, one or the other. Yeah. So, you know. Another thing, with the December hunt, I don't know the numbers. It doesn't really matter because it's done and over with. 
they closed the December hunt. We had so many people coming in from out of state this last season to buy licenses that it basically just wiped out the December hunt. So my opinion on that is mandatory reporting, mandatory animal reporting. If you don't report them, you get a fine of some sort. And also um, out-of-staters first come first serve. And taking it a step further than that, three-pointer better on everything that, that walks. Right. That's, See, you should have to call in and let them know whether or not you you shot one. It's either a yes, yes or no question. Right. And, you know, does Arizona Game Fish do aerial uh, reports and surveys and stuff like that? Absolutely, they do. Are they undermanned? Absolutely, they are. But we as hunters should recognize that and also should be willing to help fish and game out. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. I mean, yeah, it kind of gives up the section that you're hunting, say like 15 and 18. Mm-hmm. Hunter goes in and if the Dean, if I call him DNR, if the game and fish ask, Hey, how many deer did you see? Just give them a number. Right. Let them know that the numbers are out there. Right. Or at least let them know that you've seen something. Yeah. Um, I remember growing up as far as reporting goes, and I remember growing up in Washington. I don't know how it is now, but we had to report. If we didn't report, we got, we got a, it was like an $8 fine, but still, you know, and even taking that a step further, state of Arizona, I don't believe it's mandatory reporting in this state, but it should be. If it's not, it should be. And if you don't, $25 a hunter. That's what I think. Yeah. $25 a hunter, out of state, you don't report, you're out for a season. Right. That's, you know. And that would thin it out a lot. That it, Yeah, it would. I mean, I'm a big waterfowl hunter as well. And every year they ask me, how many ducks did you shoot? How many geese did you shoot? How many doves did you shoot? Back home, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to say they do it here too. Yeah, I don't know that. I was, they, they do it here as well. Cause I was asked that question this last fall and with it being my first year hunting, mm-hmm. I gave them my Iowa reports. Right. To me, waterfowl's federal. So it's across the United States. Right. Right. So I guess it works the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you know, it's just, just. It, if Game and Fish stops here or whatever, just be cool, calm, and cordial with them. You know, if you're doing something wrong and you know it, then you already know. You, you've already done messed up, and that comes back to morals and ethics. Is everybody like that? No, they're not. I'm not saying that. But at the same time, just be nice to them. They're out there doing their job. Yeah. It, 
I don't know how everybody else's father is, but my father always told me, if you got pulled over by a cop, yes sir, no sir, just show your respect, even if they're younger than you. Right. Right. Oh, my dad whooped my ass. Oh, good lord. (laughs) Let me tell you what. (laughs) But it's the same thing with Game and Fish. Common courtesy, be polite, and... Just give them a straightforward answer. Well, and here's the deal, too. Because they already know if you... They've already known coming up to you that you've done something wrong or you're doing it right. Right. And and here's the thing, too, about the December hunt. Because it, it is. It's a big topic. Yeah. And everybody's upset about it. Okay, fine. You can be upset about it. You can have opinions just like we do, just like we talked about for the last five minutes. But it's already done. So... Why why go back and try to change it when it's already set in stone? I mean, 2021 regs are already out. So, it's that's a done deal. But you don't have to be mean to your local game fish officer just because that they, quote-unquote, took your December deer hunt away. It's not their fault. I think, predominantly, it comes down to the hunter's. Yeah. In my opinion. So, you know, I don't know their system. I don't know how they count their numbers. I don't, you know, and, and who really knows? If you're if you're not on the inside of that, who knows? But the damage is already done. So we can't just sit and mope around about it. Um, I'm going to, to Unit 7 to go kill something. I know that for a fact. Yeah. See... Okay, coming from Iowa, I've got an advantage over you desert hunters. Oh, yeah? What's that? The snow. Yeah. Yeah. I hunted in snow. I'm I'm acclimated for it. Mm-hmm. You got your pros and cons with it. Yeah, you're putting on a bunch of clothes to stay warm. Mm-hmm. But tracking your animal in the snow. But there's not going to be snow up there in August. Not in August. Right. But, I'm, I mean, the December hunt. Right. Right. Or January. January. Yeah. You get you got the snow. You got you can track them a lot better. Mm-hmm. If you your ethical shots, if you make a good shot, you're gonna know it right away. And if you hit a little far back, you're gonna know it because you're gonna see that darker blood. Right. And to track that animal, to me, it's a lot easier. Right. Yeah, that that's true. I mean, we hunted elk in the, in the snow up in Washington all the time. So, there wasn't a year that didn't go by that we weren't up in the... I mean, below it was melted, but that we weren't up in the snow or could have been up in the snow. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's pros and cons to everything. And, and I mean, you know me well enough that I like talking to everybody um, that's hunted different places, and I just kind of take it all and use it in the knowledge. So, yeah. Hey. Even without the snow, being up towards Flagstaff where they got trees, and there's pine tree needles on the ground, right? Leaves, if there's trees with leaves up there, mm-hmm. you you can pick that blood trail up a lot better than you can in the dirt. Oh yeah, yeah, because in the dirt it just kind of goes away. But, anyways, um, you got any ending comments, concerns? No, just everybody shoot straight and be safe. 
Well, you heard it from the man, guys. Shoot straight and be safe. Thanks for listening.